Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, we're getting a bit up close and personal today. We're talking about... Would you like your sex life to be better? (laughs) You may have joked to friends that you don't need therapy, you have them. But sometimes working through the hard stuff in life requires help from a neutral party who happens to be a licensed professional. And if your hard stuff is about sex, a sex therapist may be a great option for you. And so today I have one such professional with me relationship and sex therapist Gabrielle Laurie hey hi I'm so glad to have you in the studio today thank you I was saying to meet you Mel (laughs) I was saying to Gabrielle um just before we started recording that last year um Erin Kelly, who is a feminine health professional or physiotherapist came in on Hey Soul Sister and we did an episode called Is Your Vagina Normal? And so many women came out of the, the woodwork going that they had had problems like prolapses or incontinence or problems with their vaginas and they didn't realise that there were women out there, um, professional women out there who could help with that. And so along that vein, um, I heard about Gabrielle um, being a relationship and sex therapist and I thought, do you know what? Sex and uh, issues with sex are one of those taboos that, you know, go on for people, but we don't necessarily always want to talk about. Yeah. And I'm sure many of you, like me, are a bit curious about what a sex therapist does and what that therapy looks like. So thanks for coming in. Ah, you're totally (laughs) welcome. So what a sex therapist does, it's basically... Yeah, so what is a sex therapist? Well... We get out, well, we used to get our degree at the University of Sydney in um, health science or sexology, majoring in sexual health counselling. That allows us to study an integrative approach of different therapies, solution-focused breathe therapy, narrative therapy, cognitive behavioural therapy, but there are a lot of head therapies. Yeah, so I yeah. went on to do more body therapies like resource therapy, acceptance, commitment therapy, and then Gottman couples therapy is used all the time by us. So, so that sounds very academic. Because to be honest, I suppose my whole reference point around sex therapists and sex therapy is probably the movies and Sex in the City. Ah, yes. Meet the Fockers, probably everyone. (laughs) Thinks we're doing that. Barbara Streisand. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Well, it's a bit different in Australia. I think sex therapists in America are allowed to like do classes and 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 offer sexual surrogates for people to practice with and stuff like that we're not allowed to hear it's mm. basically what we do here is the same as seeing a, a psychologist or a counselor it's talk therapies and then we might give you exercises to do at home with your partner or on your own if you're on your own yeah because i remember that episode of sex in the city where they went to see the girls went and saw um a couple that taught them about I think it was like how to pleasure a man and they were actually did the whole um the husband and wife and they're an older couple did the whole showpiece in front of it um all the participants do did you ever see that no I didn't but we're (laughs) definitely not allowed to do that (laughs) I, I was gonna say because the whole thing was that the after effect landed in Miranda's hair Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. No wonder people are scared of seeing us. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's really interesting. Like, that is, for a lot of us, that's yeah. a reference point in terms of sex therapy. But you're saying in Australia that that's really not a thing. It's more a, a, like a 
it's conversation, it's communication. Well, yeah, seeing us is like seeing a psychologist or counsellor, but you will get exercises to practice at home, which might not be like seeing a psychologist or a counsellor. I suppose it's a more directive therapy because you'll be bringing in maybe um, a sexual functioning problem to us like uh, sex after cancer or, you know, after back injury or something like that. Or you might just have commonly couples have mismatched libidos or. So what would be the most common reasons or some maybe your top five common reasons that people would come and see you? I'd say lack of conflict or lack of healthy conflict resolution skills would be the number one. Like in bed or just, gen- uh, just, just in generally. general, and it's affecting their sex life. They're no longer wanting to have sex because they're feeling so resentful. This full of misunderstandings, or uh, also they're not speaking each other's love language. Yeah, the five love languages are really helpful. And if you don't know what that is, I heard, only heard about the love languages recently, and the five are so there's gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch. Access, quality time and acts of service. service. Yeah. yeah. In- so interestingly, I know my love language mm-hmm. is quality time. And I'm really lucky that my husband's love language is quality time. Yeah. Which is awesome. Makes it so much easier. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's not impossible to learn each other if you both have two different love languages. Like as long as you get your top two love languages in your relationship, generally people can stay really happy. But if you don't, if you're not aware, you're speaking two totally different love languages, and you, you might be having thoughts like, "Oh, why are they never happy? Nothing I ever do is good enough. They're um, not spending any time with me, or they never buy me gifts." Because gifts is a love language for some people, and if gifts is a lang- love language for someone, and the partner acts of service is a love language, that's not oh, going to necessarily work. No way, no. <laughs> my my partner and I went through that when we met. Nine years ago, we when we were dating, I kept buying him tickets to concerts and all these fun events, and he kept building me stuff and fixing stuff. <laughs> and he goes, oh, why'd you waste your money on that? And I said, what are you talking about? We're going on a balloon ride. And he'd go, yeah, but you could just cook me my favourite dinner and I'll fix your table while we're here. And <laughs> <laughs> So then we learned, oh, wow, we've got different love languages. And once we learnt to do baby steps in each other's love language, It's everything is so much easier. Like yeah. you waste so much time in the wrong love language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of them is the conflict resolution if people are not getting on and it affects their sex life. Absolutely. Conflict resolution, definitely. A lot of people aren't aware of – so we wire in some conflict resolution skills in our childhood to either – even if we had perfect parents or really great parents with good skills, we'll still wire in some childhood kind of habits. And so these might be passive, passive-aggressive, aggressive or assertive. And if we're not aware of what that looks like in black and white, we might think we're being assertive but we're really being aggressive, even in a calm voice. Yeah. Or we might think we're keeping the peace and avoiding conflict but we're really being passive-aggressive. And these things don't work in adult relationships. They're, they're good survival skills when you're growing up. But, yeah, it causes so much. Probably a, a very common thing is the pursue-withdraw cycle emotionally. One of the partners in the relationship wants to solve the issue by talking about it and yep. resolving it right there. And the other partner might look indifferent or like they don't care, but really they're needing time to process or calm down because they don't want to say something to make it worse. Yeah. Or they might feel like they don't have the communication skills to compete with the more verbose partner and work out a win-win solution. So then they reach a stalemate and then they might stop having sex because they're resentful. And Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
So what would be another common reason that somebody may come to see you? I suppose I'll go into the mismatched libidos a bit more. That's really common because I think a lot of us are misled by movies and songs and of how it's meant to be in a long-term relationship sexually. Absolutely. Romantic movies, it's all yeah. like so fabulous. We only see the honeymoon period and then that's it. But probably the only show that shows afterwards is Everybody Loves Raymond and... <laughs> <laughs> And it probably doesn't look very sexy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so a lot of couples don't know that it's normal for most couples to have mismatched libidos. So you only really have matching libidos in the first six months to two years. Or that can be elongated if you buy long distance stuff, yeah. things like that, that still keep the uncertainty in the relationship. But yeah, after that period, once you're in a long-term relationship, a lot of women don't know that um, a lot of women's bodies just don't get as much spontaneous arousal sometimes. Yeah. Some women do. They have a really high sex drive or they might have physical touch as their number one love language. But if you don't, some women are waiting to get in the mood and they never get in the mood. Does that actually happen, that you reach a point where you never get in the mood? Well, a lot of women will get that uh, once a month when they're ovulating or, you know, that oh, could be interested. But yeah. by the end of the day, after kids and work, they're like, oh, yeah, that's gone. That was fleeting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they don't know that um, Rosemary Basson actually did studies on women's cycle of desire because they used to just think men and women's were the same. But women's cycle of desire actually works. Women get aroused more halfway through the foreplay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking about that now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some men try to turn on their partners by maybe grabbing her breast when she's cooking dinner. Yeah. That doesn't work generally. I mean, you can't totally generalise, like I said, but men's bodies can be like a firework. You yeah. light the fuse, they're ready to go. Women's can be like um, sometimes like a cold bath, you heat up, but it's really nice and warm for a long time. But you've got to do the... You can't just go straight to touch the nipples or the clitoris. It's it's irritating or or people can feel numb. I love this. Yeah, you've got to work on getting her mind in the mood first because if her mind is full of nappies and the to-do list and whether she forgot the milk or whatever it is, then there's no way she's going to yep. be uh, welcoming a grab here and there. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I remember I had a friend years ago who once kind of – complained to me about her hubby and she kind of went oh do you know what it's almost as though he just goes come on let's have sex and she goes yeah. and I'm actually making the lunches for the kids for tomorrow yes. and I've got all this stuff to do and he doesn't understand it's like boom I'm Aww. ready to have sex now and um I hear that from couples all the time and I feel really sorry for probably men that's grown up in Australia because some other cultures have a bit more of a sensual culture they might learn to dance when they're young, so that's a bit sexy. They might be about cooking and long lunches, have a long lunch break together. There's much more. They know how to flirt or seduce yes. their partners back in, whereas, I don't know, we might still have some Puritan kind of roots or something, yeah, which make it hard for men to know how to seduce women and yeah. hard for women to, there's centuries of, I suppose, slut shaming yeah, of women's yeah, sex yeah. drive. So that's hard too. Yeah, just while you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, do you know what? I would say, it's funny, I'm always like much more responsive when my hubby and I are on holidays. Yeah. But when I think about it, it's because we're having quality time. We're actually going for walks, we're hanging out. It's that whole quality time thing. So all of a sudden, it's like, 
hmm, I'm actually really enjoying hanging with you. And, you know, that kind of leads on to something else and something else. But you're right. You know, when you get caught up in the day to day, sometimes it's actually a little bit hard just to turn Turn it on. on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect example. Many women say they get more in the mood on holidays. And uh, we've got really stressful, overwhelming lifestyles. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you, Would you see many people that actually have physical problems or is it more mental? Like More mental and psychological, more uh, just lack of healthy relationship skills. There's not many Brady Bunch role models out there that we grew up with. Everyone's kind of just said sink or swim. No one knows how to have a healthy relationship that keeps the spark alive. You're just meant to guess. <laughs> Hey, did you watch Bridgerton? No, I haven't seen it, but... <laughs> I love it in Bridgerton where Daphne marries the Duke and her mother comes in and has a talk and she goes, so, you know, on your wedding night you do the ritual and she has no idea what the ritual is. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. And you go, that poor girl on her wedding night, she literally had no idea what sex yeah. was. It was hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, that, I suppose that does happen sometimes. I mean, we have sex education in school, but, you know, that's just like, okay, a penis goes in a vagina. But, yeah. you know. No but, pleasure education. Pleasure education, doing the dance of love. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. It's amazing how little we know. Some A lot of that time uh, when couples come in, often I'm giving the basics of sex education pleasure, how men and women's bodies work. I see same-sex couples as well. Yeah, but just knowing how their bodies work, a lot of them don't know how to bring out the best in their bodies. Yeah. Is that, do people get embarrassed? Because that could be embarrassing for some people. Oh, yeah. Talking about that. Yeah. It's really scary for some people. It's, and I suppose it helps them to know that everything they tell me is totally confidential. Yeah. No one is ever allowed to see your therapist's files unless you're a harm to yourself or others or they're subpoenaed by a court, but that's rare. So no one ever sees them. It's totally confidential. And they just feel safer knowing that you've heard everything out there. There's nothing I haven't heard. Yeah. And yeah, as long as it's consensual, it's all fine. Whatever a couple wants to do together. Do you find that people ever come to you as an individual or is it always as a couple? Oh, no, I get a lot of individuals as well. So I get a, a lot of people that have just broken up or or not able to find love, the love they want and they might have been on their own for a long time and struggling with loneliness and how to meet the right partner or no longer trusting their radar. They might have chosen a lot of maybe bad eggs in the past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they just want to learn how to recognise. I suppose that goes into sometimes their attachment from childhood. Yeah. We might work out if they've got anxious attachment, secure attachment or avoidant attachment. And if they've got anxious attachment and they're attracted to avoidant attachments, they're just in for a world of heartache, really. So we'll show them what secure attachment looks like and how they can develop secure attachment, and then they can have a relationship. So that's interesting. It really is about the relationship counselling. That's what it sounds like. Whereas it's funny, I imagined it was more like the actual act, sexual act, you know what I mean? Wow, yeah, yeah. Do you ever need to give advice around technique? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you ever have to use props? Sometimes we do. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we do. Uh, often I draw pictures. Yeah, because like there's there's tantric sex techniques, there's slow sex techniques by Diana Richardson for busy couples. There's so many different things. And we might use sensate focus exercises as well if one of them's got performance anxiety or we need to slow things down or someone's yeah. had some past trauma. We might just 
do these sensual exercises for their bodies to work up trust. Or for some couples, they don't even know that, I don't know how graphic I can go on this show, but I won't tell you. You you can go graphic, it's okay. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you can go graphic. (laughs) If you you don't, listeners, sisters, if you're listening in, we're about to go graphic, you can turn it down for five minutes. Yes. It's okay. Go graphic. Well, yeah, so... Some women don't know that the vaginal canal is as long as your finger and you can reach your cervix, but that pulls up when, you're, when you've had enough foreplay. So the penis is not hitting your cervix. It's not causing you pain. So and when you become aroused enough, your cervix goes Yeah, it pulls higher. up. Yeah. yeah. And also the most sexually stimulated nerve endings on a, a vulva or vagina is at the entrance of the vagina. Oh. So... A lot of women go, oh, I can't have a vaginal orgasm. But 75% of women mainly have clitoral orgasms. Yeah. And mainly if you stimulate the entrance of the vagina, that's where you're going to get the most arousal from. Whereas if you go straight into really hard and fast kind of porn sex that guys have been watching, it's going to be painful or it's not going to work. I mean, and spending time looking for their G-spot, like yeah yeah there's much more basic level stuff that's going to work for a woman's body better so when I teach couples that they're like oh my god why didn't anyone tell us it's really interesting I mean I kind of knew a bit about that because I did used to read the sealed section in Cosmo and Cleo back in the day excellent excellent honestly that's where I learned about all sexual stuff and technique and actually remember in the sealed sections they would have you know how to give like a blowjob yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. you kind of go, oh, they don't really have that anymore. But okay, that's where I learned about all of yeah. that stuff. But if you never really read that, you go, how do you actually learn it? Absolutely. And a lot of young people are learning off porn these days, which is just not how our bodies really work very well. Like it's, yeah. um, so that sealed section was great in those magazines. And yeah. they're getting us more into schools now, or we run workshops at festivals and stuff like that. So um, we're able to give people some basic education that works a bit better like sometimes I'll tell guys that come in and they're struggling with erectile dysfunction if they've got erectile dysfunction and they're under the age of 40 uh, over 50 it can come and go now and again and that's normal but under 40 if they're struggling with that and they don't have nocturnal erections or erections overnight or things like that you know the first thing we might get them to do is go to their GP and get checked out for cardiovascular disease or diabetes and just rule out that stuff first yeah so a lot of it's just so much our bodies can tell us that we don't even know about that's really important information that's yeah can I sorry I'm no just... I love it <laughs> Okay, I think we might need to do a second episode about this, okay, because there's so much we need to know and we don't know. I probably crossed too many topics in the one 30 minutes. (laughs) No, I love it. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. Can women take Viagra? Can. It's... I I I saw that in Sex in the City, Samantha took Viagra. Yeah, it's, it's not really recommended. It's not... It's probably more of a placebo effect or yeah, sure. and you've got to make sure you've got no heart issues and yeah. There's other things women can do. Yeah. <laughs> that are better. Yeah. Yeah. Now I read an article once and they said that the biggest sex organ in the human body is the human brain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely in uh, women's bodies for sure. Because men have testosterone. And we have a little bit of testosterone, but we've got oxytocin, a lot more huggy kind of chemicals, bonding chemicals after the orgasm. So for women, it is our brains, the erogenous zone. That's why you've got to get her out of the 
the housework away from the housework or the kids or the before she, she can let any sexual thoughts come in because it's just too clashing that environment trying to think sexy thoughts to get her body in the mood yeah. So, and women that don't fantasize or read erotic fiction find it harder to orgasm as well. So, I used to read a lot of erotic fiction when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Now I don't have the time. <laughs> Gets like I that. I don't have the time to read erotic fiction now. No, well, Audible. <laughs> Put it on Audible while you drive. Might, oh, it might be dangerous. <laughs> I'm too busy helping women who've escaped domestic violence. Which... Oh, yeah. 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 So, again, that's probably too far a world to get. Which is probably why my husband said to me last year, we really need to go away every six weeks Yeah, (laughs) to have a five-day weekend every six weeks. He's like, I need to get you out of Newcastle and out of that whole... Absolutely. If you work in in heavy fields like this kind of stuff and domestic violence or sexual violence and stuff like that, definitely you've got Mm. to have self-care breaks or you'll Mm. never be in the mood. (laughs) And, you know, I can imagine like jobs where like teachers where you're talking all day, you're thinking all day. Yeah. It could be a bit hard sometimes to kind of come home, switch off and. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you see many people with physical problems? Yeah. Like I said, there's plenty of guys with uh, radical prostatectomy after prostate cancer and having to get used to their new functioning or women after breast cancer if they've had a mastectomy and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, working on their self-worth around other things or guys with back injury and no longer getting erections or they can get erection but they can't ejaculate and things like that. So you just, the grief and loss, you've got to help the couple heal that of what was before and then show them what can be Mm. with their new bodies and their new sexual functioning and and there's some beautiful ways that you can be intimate together without sometimes they can end up having really quite amazing, long, beautiful sex sessions with stuff they've never done before. Because before they were just doing the, it was easy to just do the, I don't know, the Squeeze porn it in. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just <laughs> like, go, just quick, hurry up. In. We've got to cook dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose some couples would come in with unrealistic expectations on their bodies or their sex life together but not know that past sexual trauma or domestic violence or or childhood abuse or anything like that really can block them from enjoying the sex they want or even wanting sex or feeling safe and a lot of couples don't know how to heal that so it's really good to get in to see a safe therapist to are there many sex therapists in Newcastle that you know of? Not that I know of. I think there's like about three of us, but I don't I don't really know. Are but you, there's they, a governing body in Sydney called Asset New South Wales. So if you look them up um, on the internet, they'll have all the qualified sex therapists yep. on, on there in a profile. So wanna fill your soul with more? Go to the sisterco.com. What have you learned about people? during your time as a sex therapist? Wow, what a question, I suppose. Because oh. I can imagine that means you're around people of all different yeah. sort, you know, types of people all the time. Oh. Like, What have you learnt about people? It's such a privilege and such an incredible honour to see behind the curtain and see people's real lives, what really goes on behind the image everyone's trying to present of having it all together and being happy and in love and everything like that. And what I've realised is... Over the years, I suppose one thing is the person you have 10 out of 10 chemistry is not your soulmate (laughs) (laughs) or may not be. So don't 
jump into getting married and having kids. I suppose this is for, you know, it can feel like, oh, wow, this is it. And, and it may well be, but it may just mean you have some matching childhood wounds and if you have really great chemistry, but you might not have – so long-term relationships generally need some matching values and some matching life goals. And about a 7 out of 10 sexual chemistry is great. It means you want to have sex with them, but you can still – Go to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, but especially if you're going to be with somebody for a long time. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be so obsessed with them that you can't function or the jealousy or the crazy controlling obsession sometimes we see or one out of ten chemistry where they're just family. Like you just don't feel anything. So seven out of ten is a nice, yeah, really good, sexy, hot marriage but not – but you can still do your careers. It brings out the best in you. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I've got that. Yeah. I thought you might. Yeah. I've got that in my hubby. He's a good That's egg. It's awesome. He's a good egg. Yeah. So you've mentioned it a couple of times during this episode, and I'm probably getting a bit personal, but you know, I had breast cancer 12 years ago. Yeah. And when I was having the chemotherapy, yeah. and I go, that was a really big thing, you know. Yeah. Um, the impact on our sex life. Yeah. In all of a sudden I was bald. Yes. And <laughs> yep. not feeling very attractive. Yeah. Although my husband was really beautiful. He was always oh. very reassuring, you know, that it didn't matter. I had no hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And quite often my face was all red from the steroids and all of oh. that. But sorry, so I'm going deep and personal again, sister, so you might need to turn it down if you don't want to hear this. But I like vagina totally dried up yeah. from all the chemotherapy drugs. Yeah. So that was like – and my husband was great. Like he's very – kind and patient whatever yeah. but I was like I'm gonna have to get out the KY yeah I felt as a woman at that time I felt like there was something really wrong with me that I was like oh like you'd failed like I'd failed yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it was um it was an interesting time and you know the good thing is though that once you know the chemotherapy had finished your body kind of comes to normal again and yep. got out of that weird perimenopausal state and everything yeah. and I kind of bounced back to normal but yeah that was a bit of an awkward sort of time you know oh you're just yeah. so lucky you have a supportive loving relationship where you feel really yeah love because it's so hard and then I see a lot of couples come in on top of that where they might have based their own self-worth or each other's self-worth quite a lot on looks or being skinny or whatever it was and um I mean mainly people are having the negative self-talk to themselves about their body image but it really does affect and affect you and um yeah to go through something like that the grief and loss and the, mm. of of how you were before and and then imagining you're a failure there's the unrealistic sexual expectations we have on ourselves to you know, even for women to get wet naturally yeah. all the time or, or you know, there's something wrong with me. But, you know, a lot of women need to use a vibrator during sex, like a little egg or a bullet. Yeah. Hold it on their clitoris to stay wet long enough because that's just the way some bodies work. Yes. So a couple of years ago, I had a sex party, a girl I went to school with. Um, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yeah. She decided that she was going to do the extra income with the party plan sex toys. Yeah. So, um, so of course, we all supported her and did the rounds of each having a sex party. But it was really interesting, all the devices. Yeah. And they there was one of those. It was like a ring. It was a, And you put it on and at the end of it, like, and it, so it vibrated. So, like. Was you, it a, a 
penis ring? Like, does it put on the penis no, no, and then no, it, it goes a, on the clitoris? It was, yeah, so it was just like an actual oh, ring you put on your finger, yeah. but on the inside of yeah. the ring, on the inside of your finger, it uh-huh. vibrated. So yeah. you, you could use it or your hubby could put it on and yeah. like hold it against your clitoris, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or use that for stimulation. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? Need to bring back the the party um sex party plan. Party. Oh, there's some great sex toys. Yeah. yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, I had never been to one before, but yeah, there was so many things I actually had no idea about. Yeah, and I did get a few, and my husband was very happy about it. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's that's so good. That's yeah. so good because I think people forget to be playful in the bedroom. They start taking it so seriously, and yeah. so clearly, you guys have got some of the key factors you need in a long-term relationship like keep it fun yeah like bring in the sex toys or some mm. men feel a bit like oh like they're a failure if you bring sex toys into the bedroom like oh aren't I good enough or yeah that, something like that really yeah, yeah. whereas I'm kind of thinking oh it's let, let's have a bit of playtime. Yeah. yeah yeah so if people are having problems maybe with libido yep. or um, like you were saying, maybe there's a um, – it's just kind of not working but they yeah. don't really know why, yep. they can reach out to you. Absolutely. Performance anxiety, dyspareunia, vaginismus. What's vaginismus? Uh, so it's where the – I'm showing you actions. I know no one can <laughs> see this. I suppose it's painful and the vagina muscles tense like this and – normally their partner can't insert his penis if they're in a heterosexual relationship or same-sex couples struggle if they want to use toys or a lot of couples end up coming to see me when they want to have a baby. Okay. So so often I send them to Eileen Labbott's physio Mm -hmm. to do some dilator therapy. Well, first to their GP and the gynecologist and figure out what's going on medically. We rule out anything medical first. And then they come back to me to do the psychological work. So I might talk about what's happened to them, if there's any trauma or anything in the past or if they've tried to keep having sex during UTIs and thrush. Some younger clients have tried to – they feel guilty saying no to their partner so they keep having sex because they want to please him. And they'll have partners that if they knew that was going on, they would be happy for her to say no. But, yeah, I think a lot of people pressure themselves, oh, I've got to do this or, you know, it means we don't love each other if we – stop having sex for a little while but then the body has vaginismus and so you might end up doing dilator therapy with a physio and working on what's going on for you psychologically or what's happened to you in the past or and breathing through it to relax your muscles and that's what vaginismus is but it's much more complex than that yeah so um if you're having any performance problems performance anxiety yeah yeah yeah. men Um, and women can get that yeah. yeah, anything they can reach out to you. Absolutely. And do they need a referral from a GP? No, yeah. you can look us up on the Thrive Wellness Hub website. So I'll be on there and they can contact me straight through that. But a lot of people do get a GP referral. And yeah, it's good to rule out anything medical first and then we can get going really well in yeah. the psychological stuff or what's going on for your body. Okay, and here's the big question. What's your success rate? Well, I haven't had to... Ad- oh, <laughs> Sorry. No, that's a great question. And I haven't had to advertise for eight years. So yeah. so it does work. Like, that's what I'm saying. If somebody yeah. is, has, is coming, you know, is having some problems with their partner, their sex life, and they, they're kind of like, oh, does it really work? It does work. Yeah, well, I have... I have people coming back to me that I saw eight years ago or sending me people that like I get clients send me their neighbours, their work colleagues, their, you know, family members. So it's like 
So it must, it's working for them because they'll come back and say, oh my God, thank you so much. Like I've seen couples that come in and you just go, guys, you're telling me you're getting married in four months. I don't know why, because you can't think of anything you like about each other. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had couples say, no, give us the tools. We can do this. And if you have a high level of commitment, you watch them all fall in love again. And it's quite amazing. But if you come in, some couples come in when it's just too little, too late. Yeah. And if you've only got a level... If both of you have only got level one or two commitment, then you're not going to practice the tools. You, you're basically like you're done, yeah. you know, and that's heartbreaking. But I can help people through that too, yep. how to co-parent in a healthy way or break up in a healthy way. And But a lot of them I've watched fall in love again and it's beautiful. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. Well, I have so many more questions, so I think <laughs> I'm going to have to have you come back again Great. and do another episode. But in the meantime, if people want to reach out to you, just Google Thrive Wellness, Wellness Hub. Hub and Google Gabrielle <laughs> Laurie relationship and sex, sex therapist, therapist. and um, she's she's here to help you I think she could be an angel oh <laughs> that's so lovely thank you oh thank you so much for coming in you're welcome thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon what, what would help you on your crazy, crazy life journey, journey. email melissa at thesisterco.com